Hi, this is Dr. MJ coming to you from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. This is the Women in Dentistry podcast where we feature women in dentistry making waves and leading the industry through the next decade. I am your host, Dr. Mary Jane Hanlon, a former dental assistant, dental hygienist, and now dentist. I'm very pleased to introduce you today to Ms. Allison LeCoursier. Allison is the creator of Clear Align Assistimation Methodology. Allison helps dentists and teams streamline efficiencies to increase both patient and practice satisfaction and health. A native Canadian, Allison moved to Bermuda at the age of 19 to work as a dental assistant and to seek adventure to try something new. She became the dental office manager at 25 and incorporated a system into the practice that launched it into success. With over a decade of dental practice experience, Allison is sought after coach and speaker. She helps dental teams improve culture, increase production, and grow into their full potential. Her passion lies in empowering individuals to achieve their ultimate potential and life satisfaction. It is now my pleasure to bring you to my interview with Ms. Allison LaCourcier. Allison, thank you so much for agreeing to join me on the show today. I can't wait to share your story with the audience. So without any further ado, why don't you share how you got into dentistry? Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks so much for having me on here. So I grew up in a small town in Southern Alberta and my family, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. I had three brothers and I was just overcome with the desire to travel, like even from a really young age. And my dad used to joke, like, as soon as we give you your passport, like you're going to be gone because I was just so excited to like explore the world. And so as it came to choosing my career, I applied to go into nursing school to become a teacher or to become a dental assistant because I found out that a dental assisting program was only 10 months and that there was job opportunities everywhere in the world. And so much to my parents, like disappointment because they wanted me to go be a teacher or a nurse, I decided to go into dental assisting. And lucky for me, the dental assisting school that I went to in Calgary, Alberta was, it's one of the best in Canada because it allows for the dental assistants to have a lot of secondary skills like removing sutures, packing cord, scaling a little bit. And it really launched me into really caring about the dental industry and being really passionate about it. And so as I was graduating, I had spent the entire 10 months like harassing my teachers, like, where can I get a job overseas? Where can I go and work? Like, tell me how I can start traveling with this career. And so when a dentist in Bermuda contacted my school to get a student to be recommended, of course, they were like, okay, Allison, we've got you an interview and the dentist is from Bermuda. And I was like, perfect. Oh my gosh. How exciting. Good for you. (laughs) Yes. I was 18 years old. And I remember sitting in the hallway on this interview call with an office manager in Bermuda. I was Googling where Bermuda was the same time I was on the interview because I had no idea. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. So I saw pictures of beaches. I saw warm weather and I was like, this looks absolutely perfect. Like this is where I want to go. And so to get to work in Bermuda is a really tricky process. Like there's a very, it's a very protected country. And so the process for me to get started actually took a long time. So I went into my practicum. I got hired in an ortho clinic 
right outside of my practicum. And I, I let them know, like, you know, my plan is to actually travel and go take this job in Bermuda. And they're like, that sounds crazy. So I ended up working in an ortho clinic while this whole process was happening in Bermuda. They got me certified with my ortho module. And then I got the call saying, okay, Allison, like we're ready to take you to Bermuda. And so I called my parents. I told them I was 19 years old at the time. And I was like, okay, like I'm moving to this Island. And they were not happy. They were very nervous. Like their only daughter, small town, no one's ever left. And they were just like, oh my gosh, no. So I ended up moving there when I was 19 years old to be a dental assistant and in the practice, there was a lot of opportunity for growth, like fresh eyes, somebody that was just out of school and with an ortho module. So I started an Invisalign program in the practice that essentially like doubled year over year in its revenue. And I created some systems that by the time I was 23, they promoted me to be the treatment coordinator. And then by the time I was 25, they promoted me to be the office manager and sent me back to the University of Toronto to get my office management certification. Yeah, so I was in the practice, made massive changes, and had an amazing time working for this really incredible dentist and team when I moved there. That is amazing. First of all, because you were brave enough at such a young age to travel. Secondly, how did you know all this stuff? I mean, you're 19 years old, you don't have experience. You know, like, how did you put everything into was it just by reading or being instructed by somebody from Invisalign? So, you know, tell me what made you so successful? Cause that's a pretty amazing story for a young person. Yeah. I, I have this like, t- like this talent, I guess, of like learning information and then applying it immediately. And so when I moved to Bermuda and I had just taken my ortho module, I'd worked in ortho practice I had learned the systems of an ortho practice that were really successful and I just applied them and some different into this practice in Bermuda and allowed a lot of the systems to kind of like be really efficient, um, bringing a lot more patients and the doctor was thrilled. So over the course of the 10 years, he would bring me to the greater New York dental conference every year. And I would sneak into the doctor courses (laughs) and just do tons of CE online. So I really like, dove into learning and taking initiative to learn about Invisalign systems and the Invisalign practice and blew it up in Bermuda and was very, very successful with it. Congratulations. So are you still there now? No. So as the story continues, I stayed there for a decade and I got the practice to an incredible space, learned so much. And then this year during the pandemic, I had been kind of transitioning out into my own coaching practice. So I became a certified coach in 2019 and started coaching clients and people in dentistry and outside of dentistry. And so I was like transitioning out and the dentist always said, like, I know you're not going to stay here. Like you, you're meant for something else. Bigger things. Exactly. And so when the pandemic happened, our practice had to lay everyone off. They're like, I'm so sorry. Like we're going to have to lay everyone off. And I remember the conversation was like, are you going to be okay? Like, is everything going to be fine? I was like, yes, like no problem. Thank you. Like, let me know if you need anything. And I hung up the phone and like literally popped a bottle of champagne because I knew that this was my opportunity to dive fully into my business because I had been working 40 plus hours at my job trying to manage both. And so when we had that break with the pandemic, the whole world was my audience essentially. 
And I was able to scale my practice from a very small practice to a fully like functioning, robust practice and got a lot of speaking opportunities, a lot of webinar opportunities and a ton of clients in the first three months. So when my doctor asked, okay, guys, like we're ready to bring you back into the practice. I was like, I can't come. My practice is full and um, I'm going to be resigning. So it was a sad farewell. It was their like family to me, but of course, yeah, he knew that this was like the time and he's like, okay, good luck. Like we're here for you. So transitioned out of clinical practice last April. And where have you moved to? I'm still in Bermuda. Oh, you are. How exciting. Yeah. So during that time I got engaged, we renovated and purchased a house. And so I have a home office in Bermuda and clients in the U S and Canada and Bermuda. Wow. So do you, you must have to, do you have to travel now or no? Everything is remote. All of my clients are remote. And then once the world kind of opens up a little bit, I'll go and visit them and do in office trainings and workshops like that. So I got asked just recently to be on the faculty for a line. They welcomed me into the faculty last week, which was a huge like That's life goal thing. for me. <laughs> yeah. So that is kind of how I've evolved in the dental world. Congratulations. What an impressive story. So, you know, you are definitely the type of young woman that I want to highlight. And here's why, because I truly believe that there's so many opportunities out there that that some of us just don't open our eyes to that. So you saw an opportunity and you went for it. So let's backtrack a little bit and tell me more about your coaching. Did you do a generalized coaching certification or specifically just Invisalign? Because you said something that caught my ear, which was, you know, you said in practice and outside or something about inside and outside. Yeah, exactly. So I got certified through International Professional of Excellence in Coaching, which is a certification program accepted through the ICF, the International Coach Federation. And it was one of the most robust coaching programs, like the just general coaching programs that I could find at the time. And it took me about a year to do it. Three in-person sessions in Boston of three days and oral exam, and then a certain amount of hours to be able to be certified as a coach. And I did that because I had a practice coach through Productive Dentist Academy. Her name was Robin Ramirez. And she, like the way that she helped our practice and me personally grow, I was like, what is this magic? You're so good at making me feel confident and stepping into difficult things. And I was always somebody that was like really like wanting to grow on my own. But then when I had a coach, I was like, I am unstoppable. And so she told me like, this is coaching certification. This is what it is. And I started taking courses through UC Davis to learn how to coach as a manager on the side. And then I took my professional coaching certification. So I have clients that not all of them are in dental. I coach a lot of women in like imposter syndrome, confidence, limiting beliefs, like direction for their careers in life. And then I also coach all of my dentists on high performance coaching as well. That is stellar. I think we need to talk more about that and really showcase some areas that other dental assistants, dental hygienists, even dentists can, you know, diversify a little bit of their day-to-day operations. And I'm a big believer in, in actually doing more than what you do in the chair. Because as we know, if you're not sitting, if your butt's not in the chair, you're not making any money. So 
you know, I do think that as professionals, we need, you know, for obvious reasons, I mean, COVID-19 hit and practices had to shut down, you know, God willing, that will never happen again. But what happens if it does? And are you going to be able to tolerate that kind of an impact on your finances again? And many of us have never had to deal with this ever in our career or ever thought that we were going to have to deal with this in our career. Uh, many dentists and hygienists thinking they're getting ready to retire in the next couple of years now have to wait another five to seven years because, you know, the last nine months have destroyed a lot of, of capital for them. So, you know, I, I think it is unbelievable that you've done this. So I, I would actually like to, to have you on again in another platform and talk more about the coaching piece, because I think that's fascinating. So what was the what was the number one best piece of advice that you received when you were going through all of this? I think it was, and I see it now that I'm on the other side, but you don't see it when you're in the middle of it, of really just doubting like whether or not you're capable of like stepping into something that is like bigger or higher. Even when I was a dental assistant and somebody mentioned like, I bet you could be a manager one day. At the time I was like, oh, no way. That's so much. That's such a leap. But I think the best advice that people gave me looking back was like, you can do these things. Like you have the capabilities inside of you. If that's what you want to do, you can absolutely grow or learn or step into these different roles if that's what you want. And so like, that is the advice that I love to impart on any dental assistant, treatment coordinator, office manager, anybody that wants to do more. If you have that like fire inside of you, if you have that peace in your heart that you're wondering or you're wishing or you're hoping that you could do more than what you're doing, it's a hundred percent possible. It's just finding the road to get there. And you can, if you have that intentionality. I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's, it's a great piece of advice and something definitely worth even exploring more because, you know, as you said, many of us women in particular, and uh, I saw this in, in my own students and was the whole reason why I started this podcast is they, they don't feel like they have the confidence. And so even though you're learning a brand new skill set, we all have to learn skill sets, right? In order to take to ourselves to the next level. But even though you're learning a new skill set, you still don't believe you're ever going to be able to do it. I'm never going to be able to do this. I'm never going to be able to do that. And it's amazing. You can do anything that you set your mind to. You know, I love the word impossible because it really means I am possible. Nothing is impossible. So, you know, I truly believe that in my heart of hearts now that I'm more mature, right? However, I did not always believe that. As a young woman, I think that one of the things that we suffer from the most is a lack of confidence. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And the, the cool thing about that is that's not a disease. It's not an illness that you can't like ever overcome. It's not a part of who you are. A lack of confidence is something that you can work on to grow and to overcome and to push and to challenge. And you can get the right people in your life to help support you on that. And so if you're feeling a lack of confidence right now, like even listening to this, that's okay. You know that and you can change it. And that change will allow you to step into whatever next step or whatever life that you want for yourself. Who's had the biggest influence on your life, do you think? And two-part question. And are your parents happy now that they get to visit you in, in Bermuda? Oh my gosh, yes, they're thrilled. 
when I first moved to Bermuda, I was house sitting for somebody that owned a mansion on the water. Like they were like, can you take care of my house while I go away? I was like, sure. And I was playing on the national volleyball team. I still do. I play on the national beach volleyball team. And my dad came to visit me and he was the one that kicked up most of the trouble about me leaving. Cause I was this only girl. And when he came and he saw where we were staying, this beautiful home on the water. And I was going to play on the national volleyball team. And I traveled to New York. He just like came up to me in the kitchen. I never forget this. He just like put his hand on my shoulder and he's like, you did good kid. You did good. And I was like, thank you. Nothing better than that coming from your parent, because, you know, I just myself alone, the, the day that I was able to bring home the letter that, that, you know, I shared with my dad that I became a dean of a dental school. He just was like, you're a dean? And, you know, he was suffering a little bit from dementia, but he understood right then and there what that meant. And so it was my proudest day too. You know, it took me a lot longer to get there than you, but, you know, it doesn't matter because we all are looking for that kind of reinforcement from our parents that we've done a good job, that you have taken their education. I took my dad's education, my parents' education and did something great with it. So congratulations again. It's such a young woman to accomplish so much. It's amazing. So I am surmising that your parents were critically important to you in your being able to take off and do all of these brave things. What do you think it was in your upbringing that kind of helped support you? Because I'm always fascinated by, you know, people's upbringing and how two children in the same family can have a very different path from each other. I think honestly, it was a little bit of just not feeling like I fit into the world that I was living in, where like we lived in a, like a very small town. We didn't have a lot of money. My parents were very hard workers and like, they always spoke about like doing things right, having a very strong moral compass. And to be honest, like nothing about what they taught me in the sense was like that that catalyst for me to want to go. They were very like surprised and shocked by it. They were like, whose kid are you? That was something that came out of their mouths like very often because we had, I had three brothers and my parents, my brothers were like burgers and French fries, please. I was like, can I have sushi? They're like, how do you even know what sushi is? Yeah. So I don't know like where I really came from in that sense, but I feel like my parents instilled like the most important thing in the sense of like really a hard work ethic. Like I had an amazing work ethic as a young person and I, believed in myself in a sense because I worked so hard and I knew I could work hard and I just had this fierce sense of independence and desire to adventure and travel um my dad actually tried to stop me from going to Bermuda he was like not happy about it did not want me to go he was so scared but I just I just knew that the worst case scenario was that I would go home yeah yeah you can always go home exactly but 10 years later you still haven't come home right Exactly. <laughs> They're like, we're going to come <laughs> see you. So that's great. Mm -hmm. Tell me something that people would be surprised to know about you. I like dress and look like a girl, like a girly girl, but like, I am such a tomboy at heart and I forgive me. Like, if you can hear this, it's actually like pouring rain outside right now. If you can hear that. Okay. I worked on an oil field when I was just going out of school. I drove a backhoe. I drove a bobcat. I welded. I fixed fences, I shoveled gravel. And so I typically like people would never expect me to be able to be really handy. But when we were renovating our home, like I was, I was very handy. I was knocking over walls, I was putting furniture together. And so 
typically people look at me and I dress very feminine. I love wearing bright red lipstick. So they would never expect me to be like very good at like heavy machinery and being able to do some of those things. Oh my gosh. Are we totally aligned? I have my own John Deere. I love, I love digging stuff up. Oh my gosh. I've redone my entire landscaping at my house. That's amazing. I'm really kind of upset that I don't have any tree trunks to pull up anymore. I've actually almost dumped it over a couple of times, which is a little scary, but fortunately I was saved, but you know, because I I backed off, but man, oh man, I, I can get rolling with that thing and I am not afraid of anything. It's so much fun. It really is. I now have, um, a two-year-old grandson and we take it for a ride all the time. Oh my gosh. He thinks it's the best thing in the whole world. It's so much fun. My nephew, he knows all of the names of all the parts of all the tractors. I'm like, what is this tractor? He's like, oh, that's a bucket truck. And he's two years old. So I know it's so much fun. Is there anybody in dentistry who you really look up to and aspire to be or aspire to be similar to? Yeah, because we're all our own people. And and I realize that. Hmm, That's such a good question. There are a lot of women in dentistry that I look up to. Uh, I would say Vanessa Emerson, like her ability to connect with people and be extremely like heart centered, heart focused and create visionary events and visionary things. I think that's amazing. I would say Catherine, I tell for her speaking and her presence on stage that to me has always just been very powerful. Victoria Peterson, She's just such a rock star and she is so much herself and the the things that she's been able to do in the industry, like it's incredible to hear her story. And I, I feel very lucky like coming into this industry and being able to meet such powerful, incredible, inspiring women that like we were talking um, a little bit earlier that just, they bring in a community. Like, I've been so blessed and grateful for the amazing women that I've met in this industry that have you know, helped me when I was just getting started or when I had no idea what I was doing. Like I've had an incredible amount of love and support. You know, and and that's not, not always common in a lot of industries. And I'm sure you know that Harvard Business Review has had several articles on this, how, you know, and it happens with men also that the men at the top, some, some of the women at the top don't put their hand back and carry anybody with them. You know, it's kind of like the lone soldier type of mentality. And I totally believe that that in order for us to continue to really progress and move forward, we have to bring everyone with us. So you have to always be looking backwards. And so that I think that that's the true gift that Vanessa has given all of us, as, as I shared earlier, she definitely is the connector is that, you know, there, everyone that is associated in this group is definitely connected by their heart. And collaboration is our key word in doing for each other, supporting one another in any way, shape we can. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. If there's any obstacles that you've overcome, I'm sure they've just been little bumps in the road because I, I, I know you'll bulldoze right through them. But have you had any obstacles in your life that have been significant that you want to share? Yeah, I, when I was just promoted to being the office manager, I was 25 and I felt like I was on top of the world. Like some of my major goals had been accomplished. I found myself in in a really toxic relationship with a boyfriend in Bermuda. And like, 
I'm sure that like many women have been in relationships that they know that they're not like particularly good for them or have been downright bad for them. But it was that kind of process of like, kind of getting like my heart really broken, being really hurt, like having to go through kind of like emotional trauma was something that really kind of like affected my motivation, my ability to like show up the way that I wanted to in this new role right off the bat. And I'm somebody that I don't like to put like my stress or my, like my trouble or my worry on other people. And so most of the time you would never know that there was something kind of going on behind the surface. And so when it came out to my family and to my friends, like, you know, what I was going through for a quite a long period of time, it was like a huge shock to everyone. And unfortunately, like I didn't, I wasn't open enough about it until it was like to a point where I was like in danger. And so that was probably something that took me a long time to kind of like feel like myself again, or to recover, to trust people, to really have that like open heart that I, I so naturally have. And then just kind of like when you isolate yourself, going through those things alone, feeling ashamed that you had made some decisions that weren't good for you, especially at the time I was very much, I've always kind of prided myself in being this old soul or being someone that's wiser than my years or more mature for my age. And that's something that people have always kind of congratulated me on. But there are certain things that you have to, not that you have to go through them, but you can't be wise to certain things that come up in life. Like you, you learn some hard, hard mistakes. And when you have this kind of self-expectation to be that wise soul, to be the person that's professional all the time, it's just very, very hard to be authentic and to open up and to ask for help. And so that was a massive learning lesson for me, kind of going through that and then recovering from it and then getting confident again and continuing on that path. But I felt like it was something that really pushed me. If I was climbing up a hill, it really pushed me back. But I learned so much about, you know, what other women have gone through about myself in terms of like boundaries, in terms of, you know, not trusting people all the time. Like that's okay. Not to be just this like open, warm soul all the time. Like there are certain people that deserve to be in that circle and there are certain people that don't. So, you know, that's, extremely hard to go through. I am presently going through that with a friend of mine who I was shocked to realize that she's been in a toxic relationship, not for a couple of years, but 15 years. And it's a long period of time. And um, he finally threatened her physically. And fortunately, she was strong enough to leave. But for 15 years, she's been going through this verbal abuse and nobody ever knew she kept it to herself, her life or it revolved around this man because it didn't, um, she'd have to quote unquote pay for it. So this is a, this is a critically important conversation to have. I think that any advice you can share with anyone that might be going through this out there is, is worth sharing because I don't think, you know, I think everybody should realize that, that they should never tolerate for any kind of abuse at all, whether it's emotional, physical, meant it, it doesn't matter it abuse is abuse and should not be tolerated yeah I agree 100 percent I would say I would say like as many women in the dental industry that there are like there are a lot of empaths there are a lot of women that are very empathetic and it's a great thing to be empathetic in that heart space but it also puts you at risk for 
developing a relationship with a narcissist, which I learned all of this after the fact, of course. But if you are in a relationship with somebody that's making you feel like you're crazy, you're not crazy. There's something that's wrong. And you need to talk to somebody that's a professional or your parents or somebody because there's nothing to be ashamed of. Like, don't allow your shame of making a bad decision or your fear of, you know, what might happen, get in the way of you getting support or help. And so there's a term called gaslighting where somebody will say things or do things to make you start to question yourself. And it's a term that was coined because they used to like dim the light on this woman. And she was like, are the lights being dimmed? Are the lights being dimmed? He's like, no, like you're going crazy. And it was a way that this man convinced another woman that she was going crazy because he continued to dim the lights on her. And she just over time thought like she accepted that she was mentally ill and he had been doing this. So it's this terminology that somebody, somebody convinces you that what you said or what you did wasn't true. And you start to question yourself and it ultimately totally lowers your confidence and makes you more susceptible to believing what the person says. Um, and so really like, if you feel like you're starting to go crazy, it's not you get help. And then don't like, especially as a woman that is working towards building their career and very ambitious and like holding themselves to this, you know, standard or this, like sometimes like even perfectionism, like it's okay to ask for help. And it's okay to be open about your struggles and it's okay to not be okay all of the time. Like if you're in a position of leadership, if you are a manager, if you have people that are looking up to you, just know like that is okay for you to need support. And I think that sometimes we paint ourselves into a corner and we feel that it's not okay because we have to, you know, maintain this image or this perception that we have all of everything together and we don't, and nobody does, and that's okay. Um, and when we can share our stories of shame or of um, pain, that's how we connect and that's how we learn and that's how we help other people share their stories. Well, and, and I do believe that you're, you're not allowing people to help by not sharing, right? And especially those that are closest to you because you know, I'm sure many, your family members, many of your close friends were horrified to find out, like, why didn't you tell us? You know, um, and, and that's exactly how we felt when we found out this issue about someone we care about. And you know, it, it's substantial and it's frightening that you would do it alone for that longer period of time. I want to go back to, you know, the narcissistic type of relationship, because I also think that many times we can have narcissistic relationships with the people that we work with. And that also is problematic because I do believe they, they create this chaos going on over here so they can distract you while they have you doing something else over here. And, you know, it is painful to watch that and see how much demise it creates in systems. And so when you have a dental office that, that functions that way, it's really not a great way, you know, whether it's the dentist, the, the office manager, whoever the person might be, it's not a great way to spend your day. And uh, my recommendation is, is to move on as soon as you can. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And if you have somebody, like if you're a dentist and you have somebody in your practice that it always kind of goes back to that person that's starting or, you know, has that kind of toxic energy, like you need to cut the tie and, and get them out of your practice. 
Absolutely. So, you know, you sound like an extremely confident woman. Now, you know, you shared a little bit that, that you didn't think you were capable of doing different things, but did you always growing up think that you were confident and were you confident in your ability as you grew up or is it something you've learned over time? I would say I would be confident to a point, but I always had a vision for who I wanted to become. And so that was kind of the driver to become more confident. And so I would, as soon as I could like master a skill or learn something, I would become confident in it. I was fairly shy, but really good at meeting people and making friends. So I would just kind of envision how I wanted to be and then work slowly towards that. And that has been something that has served me probably the most is wherever I was at on the year of my birthday every year, for example, I would write a letter to myself called the year of 20 or the year of 23. And I would explain who I'm going to become in this next year or phase of my life and who I became in the last one. So it allowed me to acknowledge some of the growth, struggle, pain, um, mistakes, some of the lessons, some of the proud moments that I had in the past year. And then I would kind of create like a, a claim for in the year of 25, this is who I will become in that year. And that ability to create that vision for myself and be able to kind of objectively decide how I wanted to grow in a year helps me tremendously become more confident. And even now, like I spoke at Jumpstart and at first I was a little bit nervous, but as soon as I got into my flow and into my zone of genius, I was so comfortable and so excited. And that's the kind of phase we have to go through. We have to go through like not having a clue then to being like kind of comfortable and then to feeling like you're in your zone of genius. And it's a natural process. So when I left my management position, I was extremely confident in my management abilities. When I started a business and became a business owner, I started that cycle all over again, but with the knowledge that I've done this before, I've gone into uncomfortable situations before and became, they became my zone of genius. It just takes time and it takes the ability to let yourself go through that situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all a phased process, isn't it? You know, you said a couple of really great things there. And, and the one thing that, that caught my attention is the growth that you have to go through in order to get from the beginning to the middle and the end. And the other piece is, oh my gosh, where did you learn that technique? That is fascinating. What a cool thing to be able to document your entire life one year at a time. Yeah, I have no idea where I learned that. I can't tell you. And how many years have you been doing it? The first year I did it, I was 17. Wow. Mm-hmm. make sure you don't lose those make sure you get them digitally and you store them in the cloud somewhere because I'm telling you at 70 at 90 you're going to want those those pieces of paper because and your ch- grandchildren and children are going to want them too because it will really tell the significant story of who you are and how you became that yeah and like it's so funny to read them even now like when I go back and read like my 20 year old self like staking claim, like I'm going to create a new life in Bermuda and, you know, all of these things, like, I'm like, wow, I was so bold. Like, yeah, it's so funny to look back and read them. You were bold. You are bold. I mean, it's amazing for, you're right. I mean, you are an old soul. You definitely are an old soul because you wouldn't have um, that much. I don't think innate confidence had you not been doing this for a very, very long time, like lifetimes. So 
you know, kudos to you. I mean, it's just amazing. Do you have a personal motto that you live by? <laughs> this is, this is pretty cheesy, but it's, there's a couple of things that like come to mind as soon as you said that. And when I was, I think I was 16, 17, there was a song lyric by a Jimmy Eat World song and it was do your best and do everything you can. And that was my motto for a very long time. And it still is something that I think about, especially when I get nervous or I feel like if I'm over my head or I'm in a new situation, it's something that like an affirmation away, like Allison, do your best and do everything you can. And it's going to work out. It will. It always does. Yes. And then the other one um, is the question, and I cannot remember who says this, maybe Oscar Wilde, but it's, what are you going to do with this one wild and precious life? Ah, good one. Yeah. And that has been something that I ask myself yearly. I use it to connect with the preciousness of life, the kind of fragility of life. And I love how they, they, he stated it. It was like, what are you going to do with this one wild and precious life? It's not going to go exactly how you planned and every moment of it is precious. So like, what are you going to do? And that has been something that's really grounded me in making that vision for myself of the impact that I want to have in the world of who I want to become of the fact that life isn't always going to go as planned and we have to work around or shift or, or mediate. And, and that's been something that I've really like, it's, always spoke to my, to my heart and the way that I want to operate is just being intentional about what we're doing with our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. You know, I don't know if you do this or not, but I'm, I'm willing to bet. Are you a visualizer? Mm -hmm. Can you see yourself in the future? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know where I learned this, but I knew you did because someone who can write a letter to themselves and already has figured out what the next goal or what the next iteration of Allison is going to look like has got to be able to visualize. And I think I learned this when I was really young, like four or five years old. I remember visualizing a Barbie doll. And I must have talked incessantly about this Barbie doll. So I think my parents finally just gave it to me. But I can remember being in the, the car on the way home from my grandparents' house. And I saw it plain as day in my Christmas pile. I knew it was going to be there. I was a hundred percent confident that that it was going to be there when I got home and sure enough it was and I think that that was the first moment that I remembered visualizing something so for me it was always a pattern that I did okay what is it the next thing that I want what is and I started to use that in my goal setting and my life planning you know a, a very long time ago and you know, I, I do believe it's one of the things that has contributed to my personal success is the ability to see my future and visualize it, taking the time to visualize it. And I think that's critically important too. So how do you do it? Is it meditation or? As I get towards um, a birthday, I get very, very reflective and I take probably like a week or so to really like consider like what's going to happen next. And I make it almost like, like my birthday is always a celebration in a way, but it's always like this moment of like deep, deep reflection of like, how did this last year go? What went really well? What, what didn't go well? And then I, it usually happens actually when I'm like running or when I'm outside and I have time to myself to just think, and I really imagine what the next year is going to look like for me and who that person is that I want to become. 
that's like how I do my yearly one. But anytime I'm going into a big meeting, a big sports event, because I've played on like international volleyball competitions as a beach volleyball player, which is nerve wracking because you're literally wearing the tiniest bikini in front of all these people. And it's just two people on the court. So that has like, I would sit and visualize how I'm going to pass the ball, how I'm going to hit, what happens to my shoulder. Like every single moment I visualize like what I'm going to do and how I want to show up and how I want to feel. And then more recently when I've started speaking, I used to be terrified of speaking. I used to mumble. I used to talk really, really fast. And so I imagine myself on stage. I imagine being comfortable. I like visualize walking around, holding my presence. And even when I do that, I notice my heart starts to race a little bit at first. And then I get comfortable in that visualization. So I intentionally visualize. And then for the purpose of really designing my year, I'll kind of go through like a longer process of visualization. Wow. Amazing. That, that is going to carry you through a very, very successful life. I have absolutely no doubt, Allison. Well, we've kind of run out of time and I am so sad because I could probably talk to you all afternoon. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing your wisdom with the audience and thank you for being such a great leader for other women in the profession. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great to chat, get to know you and connect. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Women in Dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation.